Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And the closer we get to Synod, the messier things are getting. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. We're also dropping a new series, Prepare for Synod, with me every single Thursday from now all the way up until Synod, so make sure to check those out as well. We also want to say thank you to everyone who sponsored us over on Patreon. We are slowly working our way toward our modest goal of 20 subscribers at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Dirk Cucci. I remember uh, uh, listening to Piper and he would get done. And I always thought, I, I, I remember thinking this specifically, he would get done preaching and, and I would say to myself, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do right now, but I know I love Jesus a lot more than I did 45 minutes ago. <laughs> and that makes all the difference in my life, right? Everything yeah. makes sense. I want to repent for this sin over here. I'm comforted because of this trial over here. It's like I Jesus is glorified and everything's just better and everything makes sense. And I know, you know, I respond to that. And and I've I've always again been blown away by that too. And and um it's kind of given me a, a, a philosophy in, in in preaching a little bit. Uh you come to a difficult text or something, right? And 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 my philosophy is, well, when in doubt, just exalt Christ, right? Just exalt mm-hmm. Christ because uh it's all going to be okay if you exalt Christ. Yeah. So. Amen. And I've uh, I wanted to jump back to something you had said earlier that that people are actually hungry for this type of preaching yeah. because I think um, there's on the one hand some people think they they need or they want the the storyteller preacher, but after that happens over and over and over again, and that's all you're getting, they they realize there's a like they're famished. And, uh, and I've realized coming into churches and and like you've said, preaching in some other churches, um, they're like, oh, your sermon's kind of like a Bible study with some application. And, and, uh, like, this is so good. We just don't ever get this. Yeah. And I keep thinking, ah, it's so sad that that people are so hungry for this type of preaching where you're just literally walking through a passage, helping them see it, helping them understand how it applies to their life, but also how it applies to Christ and the gospel and, Mm -hmm. and repentance and faith, right? You're just kind of wrapping all of that together. Yeah. And, uh, and people really, really respond to that. That's really, they're hungry. And and it's scriptural. I keep telling people when, when I talk about this, I mean, our calling um, in, in Ephesians four, it says God gave them apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, right? To equip the saints for works of ministry. Like that's our job. And then in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, 
All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man of God would be complete and equipped for every good work. And so if our job is to equip the saints, uh, the tool that he's given us to do that is the word of God, which is useful for equipping them and making them complete, which is talking about sanctification and correcting and rebuking and encouraging and training in righteousness. This is the tool we have to use. And, uh, and we don't do that just through telling stories. Uh, we, have to, we have to apply the word of God to, to right. their lives. And I, it's interesting if you go to 2 Timothy, right? All scriptures God breathed. What does 2 Timothy 4 say? Preach the word. That comes right after mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? So here you go. Here's how you do it. It's not that hard. Um, yeah. So. It's pretty self-explanatory. Preach the word. <laughs> be ready in season and out of That's season. Right. Even right out of season when everybody's wanting you to tell stories and yeah. feel good things preach the word still because that's really what people need and and what they yeah i tend to think honestly if you go back to to calvin i think they make it way too difficult honestly um like it's not that hard you make this way more difficult than it's supposed to be right preach the word Mm -hmm. Preach the word explain it and apply it right and and it's not that hard it's not that hard Yeah. And I think, I think some people have this misunderstanding. It's one of the things that I really appreciated from Piper and, uh, and Kevin DeYoung, I think, and RC Sproul, all those guys are guys I've uh, learned to preach from in not personally, but just listening yeah, to right. their sermons just and stuff. But, uh, but there, some people have this assumption that like expositional preaching is like dry and bland and just, and I'm like, if you listen to any of those guys, they are, there's passion into it because they're excited to teach what God's word is teaching. And, and this God's word applies to us. It, it does cut to our heart, right? That's the word yeah, of God. Absolutely. Sharper than any two edged sword, right? It cuts right to your heart. And so it's not that we're saying you don't ever address any emotions or whatever, but the word of God is what has to cut to the heart That's right. and address the emotions, not some feel good story off on the side. It, it really has to be the word of God. You betcha. Well, you guys have kind of been touching on uh, something that uh, we've been talking about for a little bit now. Dirk, I'm wondering what kind of not-so-encouraging trends you're seeing going on in the CRC. Uh, I know in the last few minutes we've been kind of talking about preaching in the preaching department, particularly at Calvin Stem. But even in our churches, uh, what, what kind of stuff are you seeing that you're not so encouraged by? Yeah. Um... You know, a couple things, I had seen this question beforehand when he had sent them, so I was, I was thinking through it. There's a couple things that, that stood out to me. Um, it seems that we see a willingness of um, our many pastors in our denomination and also leaders in our denomination, the denominational offices, to speak loudly and clearly on matters that um, maybe are a bit questionable or open to interpretation. Um, matters of wisdom, maybe it's a better way of saying it. I, th- I think of, you know, masks and vaccines from the year past, but, but recently there was a police shooting in Grand Rapids and I mean, it's just complex, right? It's, it's complex. Um, and then uh, at the same time, we're, we're unwilling to speak loudly and clearly on matters which God sure seems scripture speaks pretty loudly and clearly uh, about, about this. And so I think that's um, one 
uh, area that I found. Um, so yeah, you know, for instance, I, I've heard uh, even recently uh, a CRC pastor just bemoaning uh, the fact that he was preaching in a church where people weren't wearing masks. This was like two months ago. Um, and yet, um, you know, the issue of marriage and sexuality is open to interpretation. You know what I mean? And, and so, so, mm-hmm. so we've sort of missed, uh, we, we speak loudly about things that I think are, are wisdom issues and, and, and maybe we shouldn't speak so loudly and clearly about, and, and we, we don't speak loudly about things, which I think scripture speaks quite clearly about. So we've, we've kind of lost our way uh, in that regard. I think, you know, gotten wrapped up in, in cultural issues. Uh, we like to sound good uh, to the, um, to the world to some degree, I guess, mm-hmm. is, is a lot of what that is. Um, and so, so maybe a desire to, to please the world and unwillingness to offend people with offensive. Um, and then another issue, which, and, and maybe this one bugs me even more, um, is that I see a, a lot of, a lot of people, um, and maybe this would explain, and maybe this is where the 80% that we've been talking about earlier gets a little bit cloudy uh, as far as members in the pew, but I see this amongst pastors and I think it exists amongst people in the pew too. They are, they are orthodox, right. On merit on matters specifically right now, matters of marriage and sexuality. I, I know pastors who are, and yet they seem to have a greater concern for the Christian reformed church. Um, and for, you know, maintaining what we have right now, uh, than actually being faithful to the word of God. And so that's, that's something that I really struggle with to, to, to see, um, people who I know. And I'm like, I, I know, you know, I went to seminary with you, for instance, like, I have a pretty good idea that you're, you're, you're orthodox on this. And yet you seem more concerned with, you know, not hurting anyone's feelings within the denomination than you do with being faithful. Uh, and so I, I think that's something that really bothers me almost, almost more of an allegiance to the Christian Reformed Church uh, than the Word of God uh, in an unhealthy way, maybe. I mean, we all have an allegiance to the Christian Reformed Church. We all want to see her prosper and flourish and grow. Um, but um, there, there, there's, there's something amiss there sometimes uh, that I think really troubles me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I want to dive in deeper on that because I think that's, uh, that's really one of the issues that a lot of people are wrestling with, especially coming up to this to this upcoming synod, right? We mm-hmm. we're hearing a number of pastors who are saying things like, "Well, I'm orthodox on this matter of sexuality, but uh, yeah. that was actually one of our listeners had had messaged me a while ago, and he's like, I keep hearing that I'm orthodox, but and I'm tired of hearing that, and uh, and I keep hearing people say, "Well, I'm orthodox on this." but I really don't think we need to make this a confessional matter, or I don't, I don't think we should start disciplining anybody on it. I mean, what, so you had mentioned, maybe you're thinking there's a, there's an overcommitment to the Christian reformed church in there to the institution. Yeah. I I think there's, there's, there's a commitment to the tradition and the institution. um, That is, I guess if it exceeds scripture, it's idolatrous, right? It it, it goes beyond um, what it almost scripture becomes subservient. I mean, it's almost Roman Catholic to some degree. Scripture becomes subservient to the denomination rather than the denomination being subservient to scripture. And so I think that's what, that's what drives me crazy 
Um, and that's the part that maybe worries me about the denomination, because if you look at the orthodox aspect, I think it's a no-brainer if you're going to force people's hand. But if you look at this desire to sort of preserve what we have and what we've always had and what grandma and grandpa have and all that grandma and grandpa had and all that stuff, like that makes me nervous, right? Is our, is our desire to preserve the CRC as we knew it greater than our desire to serve God and to be faithful to scripture? And I, I you know... For many of us, it's not, but is that enough? Is there enough people that are going to go that way to, to get done what we need to get done at Senate? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is crazy because literally one of the foundational like identities of the CRC used to be this commitment to God's word yeah. over anything else. Right. Like I, I've been reflecting on that recently. Like that is one of the main things that my dad pounded into my head growing up was it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It matters what God's word thinks, like, or set, not thinks, what God's word says. Yeah. Um, and like you, you, that's where you go. You follow that no matter where, no matter what, come hell or high water, right? Yeah. And uh, that was the CRC identity. And now we've kind of like shifted away from that. And I think it's because we've been like hemorrhaging members for a long time. And so now it's become like, let's save the denomination. right? in a wrong way, right? So when I say I want to save the denomination, I'm talking about save it from unfaithfulness to God. That's what I want to be part of saving our denomination. If our denomination remains and is unfaithful to God, that it has not been saved, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Vomited out as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Do you think that's what it is though? It's like, we've been losing members. And so it's like, we need to do whatever we can to try to save this. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I guess that that gives rise to that. I mean, I mean, some of it's just tradition, right? We love we love our traditions, and we change is hard, and we want things to be the way they always were. So, so maybe there's some of that going on. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not exactly sure what what lies at the heart of it. Um, I, I know this. I, I've gone to. Um, the go- I've gone to the Gospel Coalition Conference. I've gone to the, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Philadelphia Conference of Reformed Theology that took place, mm-hmm. in, takes place at Byron Center. And, you know, I've gone, I've gone to those conferences and you're gathered there with people from, uh, especially at the Gospel Coalition, you know, different denominations, different countries. Um, and, and the fellowship and unity you feel in Christ uh, far surpassed what I felt at Synod when I went in 2016. And, and I long to experience that in my own denomination. It's always mm. been, I always struggled with that, right? Like, you know, our unity is not in our Dutchness. Our unity is not in uh, this name, Christian Reformed Church. Our unity is in Christ. Uh, and it's, you know, founded upon the word of God. Um, and I guess that's what I want us to recognize, right? I don't, I'm not one with you because we're both members of a Christian reformed church, right? I'm one with you in mm-hmm. Christ and, and that oneness is exhibited in faithfulness to Christ. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I, I, I that's something I, I long to experience. What I experience at the gospel coalition at those conferences uh, with like-minded believers is something I long to experience in my own denomination, even, even in classes meetings here uh, with 12 churches, you mm-hmm. don't experience that. Right. So um, I guess that's, that's something I long for and, and, uh, something that concerns me that we look for unity yeah. in the wrong place. 
Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking lately too, this, I think part of this comes down to uh, when I talk to a lot of the the people who are really worried about enacting discipline or taking strong action on this. Um, I, I really feel like there's been this misrepresentation of just who Jesus was in general. And so there's so many people think, well, Jesus would just love them right and maybe that gets even deeper to like the issue of like what is love then what does love have an edge to it is there like a hard side to love or is it always kind of mushy gushy soft um but there's this idea that that no jesus was just he did he he never rebuked anybody which is just ridiculous because you right. read through the bible and he's rebuking and correcting people all the time i mean that's like half of what he talks about in in the gospels is rebuking and correcting people um his disciples but the pharisees and you know you you don't get real super clear um references to him rebuking the tax collectors and sinners but you can be clear that he was um you know he tells mm-hmm. the he tells people go sin no more and stuff like that right so he's correcting and rebuking well, he, he rebuked peter when he said get behind me satan when he stood in the way of the gospel that was pretty firm yeah yeah <laughs> what i always say he you know he told the the tra- the the chief priests and the scribes, you called them children of the devil as well. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's, <laughs> and, and that there was a whole bunch of other people who were kind of following him at that time. And he said they were children of the devil too. So yeah. Yeah. Jesus had this edge to him, but, but pastors seem to feel like they can't have that edge. Like if I'm going to be Jesus, like I have to be a very soft, gentle which we do need to be soft and gentle, but, but they kind of cut out the other hardness, the other hard part of it. You know, you, you asked, you know, what, what's love. I mean, first Corinthians 13, love rejoices with the truth, right? Love, love does not rejoice in what is false, what is wrong. Right. So that's evident right there. And certainly we see that in Jesus's life as well. Um, And so, yeah, well, we, we've, we've substituted niceness for love to be honest with you. Um, and that's, that's a CRC. I, maybe that's more, I mean, but I see that in the CRC a lot. We don't ever want to be not nice, right? Mm-hmm. Niceness is love. That's what we've equated it with. And, and that's not accurate biblically. Yeah. A hundred percent. Actually, I just had an example of that this last week. I'll, I'll keep it fairly vague because it's somebody from my church, but, but I had to like chew somebody out from my church. <laughs> um, and cause they were saying like, Oh, the church hasn't supported me or hasn't cared for me. And I just was like, stop that's ridiculous. And we're going to talk about this. <laughs> and yeah. I just rebuked yeah. them. And, uh, and we got to the end of the conversation. They're like, you're right. Thank you for, thank you for correcting me on that. Yeah. And, and I was able to do that because I love them. Like right. they know that I love them. If I didn't love them, I'd say, fine, go leave, leave the church. Then if we don't care about you instead, because I love them, I said, no, you're wrong. And we need to have mm-hmm. a conversation. And I kind of chewed them out. I I use very strong language and my elders going to laugh, but, um, but that was, and we're still in a good relationship. We, but they know that I love them. And that's why I had to say, knock it off. This is not okay. Yeah. We do that that with our kids too and stuff. I mean, it's, it's not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is like, my kids always laugh because they're, they're watching me parent, uh, well parent. Yeah. They're watching me pastor people in our church and they're like, Hey, you do the same thing with us, but these are all older people. And I'm like, yeah, it's basically like you're just parenting a bunch of old people. <laughs> As a bunch of kids out there, huh? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all kind of that way a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
Well, what do you think? We're kind of starting to move toward the to, toward the end of the interview, and uh, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on like what steps do you think we need to be taking um, in order to see reformation happen in the CRC? Yeah, I mean, if we uh, immediately, if if we're looking at synod this summer, I mean, I, I've communicated this with my council. Um, we need to speak with scripture on the matter of marriage and sexuality, um, and I think. But if we just do that, that that alone is not enough, in my opinion. We we also uh, need to, if we might use the language of Paul in First Corinthians five, call the immoral brother to repentance, and if he is unwilling to repent, um, deliver his soul over uh, to Satan mm-hmm. is actually what Paul says there. That's pretty harsh language, but again, even that's meant to be redemptive uh, when when you understand it. But I, I think that's what we need to do, right? We we can't yeah. just say, this is, this is what we believe, but you guys do whatever you want. That's not going to fly for me because it's honestly going to begin to affect. I've already seen the name Christian Reformed Church um, affect our ministry here. Uh, the word is out about us. I think, Jason, I listened to your, your recent podcast and you talked about the Christian Reformed Church being a denomination that I'm proud of, I think is maybe what you said or something along those I want lines. to be proud of. I, I want to be proud, be proud of, of but you want I'm to not be proud anymore. Of. Uh, that's what you said. Yeah. Um, and, and I would fully agree with that. Right. I, I want the Christian Reformed Church to be a, you know, I, I want that name to scream to the whole world. This is a faithful church. This is a church that you want your if your children move up to northern Michigan and they go to this church, you, you're going to be happy about that. You know what I mean? Uh, right mm-hmm. now, um, when people from my church go go on vacation, they say, Pastor, there's there's, you know, should I go to the Christian Reformed Church nearby? I'm like, hey, you're probably better off finding a a PCA church or a, or a URC church or a Southern Baptist convention church than you are a CRC church. And, Mm -hmm. and so I guess I long to see that name carry that weight of faithfulness again. And the only way that's going to happen is if we, we, we speak with scripture on marriage and sexuality. uh, And then we, we, you know, exercise discipline uh, against those who, who refuse to abide by what we believe and anything short of that, I've said to, to, to my council, I said, anything short of that, we're going to have to seriously consider leaving. You know, we can't share a name with people who are living unrepentant and unfaithful and no one's doing anything about it. So yeah, that's what I'm praying for. Yeah, amen. And I think uh, I've been trying to make this as clear as I can to everyone, because one of the, one of the uh, tactics, I guess you could say, of those who are not wanting to see discipline enacted on this, they keep saying, if we if we try to enact a discipline on this, that will be the most divisive thing we could do for the CRC. And what I keep trying to tell people, actually, to not enact discipline will be the most divisive thing <laughs> yes. we could do for the CRC. Correct. Because I, you're not the only pastor I've talked to that said, I don't even, if we, yeah, we need to pass the human sexuality report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to make it confessional. But if we still refuse to discipline, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. done. I'm done dinging around here. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, I know tons of, tons of conservative pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church. They're at that point. And I think, I think if we refuse to enact discipline at the Senate, I think uh, maybe this is fear mongering, but I think the denomination will be done. I, w- I, would I think, agree. I think we'll lose yeah. because the majority of our pastors are conservative. Yeah. Um, we'll lose them. And then the whole denomination will just slowly uh, crumble at that point. I agree. 
Yeah. And so really the only path forward is to just stand firm, right? I mean, that's like, there's going to yeah. be division. There's that's be just division. what's going to happen. Well, there, there already is division. <laughs> I mean, that's, we're not causing any new division. Actually, they divided from us. That's an article that we, you'll see coming from. We haven't departed here. from anything. We are where we were uh, for the most part, 50 years ago or, or whatever you want to say. So. Yeah. Yeah, they are, they are yeah. the divisive ones. And scripture tells us, warn the divisive person once and then have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good point. And Dirk, I'm just wondering that, I mean, we're talking about synod and all these matters. I'm wondering for uh, those who are delegates to synod or advisors to synod, those who will be there. Um, just me, I kind of think it would be good for us to be reminded that things aren't just going to happen at synod and then things are done, but it's June 17 and then June 18 and on and on and on. So I'm wondering with these things all before us and with our future ahead of us, um, Lord willing anyway, I'm wondering if you have some words of wisdom and advice for those of us who uh, either will be at synod or will be cleaning up the messes after synod. Yeah. Are, are you guys delegated to Senate at all? Either one of you? Yeah, both of us are. Oh, both of you are. Okay. Yeah, we're both going. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> Th- thank yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went to Senate in 2016, uh, mm. which is when this whole thing kind of really got started. Um, and it was to this day, the most spiritually heavy thing uh, that I've ever done. Like, it was, you know, I didn't go into it thinking it would be like that, but, but, you know, by the end of the week, there was no doubt uh, that our struggle was not against flesh and blood, right. But was against the the principalities and powers of the air. Um, And it was, it was oppressive, spiritually oppressive. Um, And so I guess maybe I would say this to you guys now, but, but really to your listeners, to those who won't be delegated, we need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray for, for you guys that you'll have courage and strength uh, to bear up under the weight uh, that is going to be on you. Because I, I would imagine the weight, I mean, this, this sentence even more, more, whatever the word would be, crucial than the one in 2016 mm-hmm. when we started this. Um, and so uh, I guess prayer was something that when I left in 2016, I was like, that is necessary. And we had, we had people showing up at Senate in 2016 to pray with us in the morning. A lot of the pastors and stuff who, who started the abide project, they were wonderful. And that was such a blessing. And, and in the end, I, I would say at 2016, we, we won what I felt was a great victory. In fact, when we, when we shot down that first report that came through, um, like I, I just started crying, like, because it was like, it was, it felt like a victory for mm-hmm. truth and for Christ. And, and, um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, I think, be in the middle of it. And so I, I really want to uh, encourage you guys uh, to be in prayer beforehand, but even your listeners during that week, um, to be in prayer. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, it was so heavy for me in 2016, that I, I don't think I could have, could have even gone this year. I, I had mentioned our adoption, it was emotional. And, and, I'm out of gas. And I said that to the guys in classes. I'm like, I, I want to go, but I, I don't think I have the emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual capacity after this past year to do it. And, and we had two f- wonderful, faithful men 
want to go. So I was happy to let them go, but it's heavy. And I don't think yeah. people realize how heavy, how heavy it is and how heavy it's going to be. So yeah, pray. yeah, for sure. And I'll uh, just amen that. And uh, I've been hearing from a lot of people who are delegates to this and they're already feeling some of that spiritual warfare going yeah. on in their lives right now. I think I'm feeling it even a little bit myself. Yeah. And just uh, some of the stuff that's been going on. And so, yeah, I've got my elders. I've been asking them to be praying for me as I prepare for that. And then in the middle of this too, I'm going through a, a heavy series on human sexuality in our own church, uh, stepping on toes with that one. And so that's uh, got its own uh, spiritual warfare. Actually, that was the series. I was right in the middle of that series when I got COVID and went in the hospital and everything. And so I'm yeah. And then, and then on top of it all, you almost died. So they just yeah. add to it too. It's not like you've had nothing going on in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm restarting it again and everybody's a little worried. They're like, well, last time he <laughs> tried to do this, he almost died. What's going to happen now? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so it's been, but I'm feeling the weight of it for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and I am feeling some spiritual warfare and I'm not the only one I've talked to numerous no. other delegates who are feeling it. So be praying for us. I, I know I, I'm actually going to be on vacation that week. Me and my boys are going to be fishing up in Canada and I will be in prayer for you guys. Um, and I am so thankful that faithful, uh, brothers like you have agreed to go. Um, and, and I, I commend you and absolutely I will be praying and I will be sure that my council is praying. We have an elder and deacon actually going from our church too. So we do have, I mean, I do have some pretty close skin yeah. in the game, I guess, but we will be praying because I, I think we, we, we have a tendency to underestimate the value and power of prayer as it is in our mm -hmm. circles. But uh, in this instance, pray. Yeah. Amen. And I'll, I'll just jump on one. That was one of the big things I learned this past fall. Um, I guess you didn't learn it, right? I, I always knew that prayer was powerful, but then when you get in the midst of such a, you know, almost dying kind of a situation and then seeing the power of people's prayers for you and then experiencing just how that, I don't know how that carried me through was, was a big deal. And so I'll just amen that too. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any final words you want to say to all of our listeners? We've got pastors and uh, lay people. We've got lots of different people listening to you. You got final words for them? Well, that was kind of my final word. Pray, pray for these guys going to Senate. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just, you know, remember the battle belongs to the Lord as well. Right. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. We had to remember that throughout our, throughout our deal. Uh, the past few months with our adoption, but it applies to this situation very much. The battle belongs to the Lord um, and uh, he can do great things. And I look forward to, like you said, telling my children what the Lord has done in the Christian Reformed Church. I will also say this, uh, after listening to your most recent podcast, I was ready to enlist and go to Synod. You had me that fired up and cranked up. So um, everyone should check that out as well. And that'll, that'll get them, that'll get them cranked up and ready to rock. But well, for those of us not going, just pray. Just pray for these guys. Amen. Well, on that note, do you want to close us in prayer, Dirk? I would. You bet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you uh, this day, and we first off praise you for who you are. Lord, truly, there is none like you, and we thank you for revealing that to us in increasing measure daily in and through Christ. Lord, I personally thank you for Jason and Willie, and for their service to your church, I pray for a continued blessing upon their ministry and upon the work that they do. I pray that you would use this podcast mightily to bring about reformation uh, in the Christian Reformed Church. I pray for them as they prepare to go to Synod and all the delegates as well, 
that they would know your love and your grace and your strength. Father, pray that you would um, be with them uh, in a mighty and powerful way and that you would cause the powers of darkness to flee uh, now uh, and in the months and the weeks to come. Father, we pray for our denomination, pray that you would bring revival, pray that you would cause us to stand firm upon your word, pray that you would give us a story to tell our children uh, of your great faithfulness uh, to us. And Lord, we believe that you will. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Craig Hokema. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.